Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to Employee Cycle. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle, and you know us. We're that HR analytics dashboard, helping all of you HR and people leaders out there get rid of the manual, tedious, and time-consuming process called HR reporting. That's right. We know that you spend way too much time trying to get a data-driven view of your workforce using those messy spreadsheets, and the time has come for you to step it up. That's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR analytics dashboard that gives you dashboards, custom metrics, and data quality audit by just simply connecting to your HRIS and other HR systems so you can view, share, and track all of your HR data from one source of truth. Check out EmployeeCycle.com. We would love to give you a demo and explore how we can partner to help you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. That's enough about me and our company, because today we have an awesome guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Justine Sawyer. She's the Global Director of Talent Management at AST. And today we're discussing how does HR bridge the opportunity gap? Justine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, sir. It's very excited to be here today. And we're very excited to have you on the show. So, Justine, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Ah, funny, 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 funny. Interesting story. So I was actually supposed to become an auditor early in my career, and I did a number of internships in research, marketing, HR, and the one that stuck was HR. And it was always that element of how can I help others help themselves? And that's kind of where I am now. Awesome. And appreciate that background. So, Justine, today we're talking about how does HR bridge the opportunity gap? And so my first question for you is, what is the current opportunity gap that you see in most companies today? I think the biggest opportunity gap that a lot of organizations may face, and there could be a number of gaps, right? Whether it's age or race or social economic status, it's an element of really enhancing the diversity into an organization. And a lot of the conversation goes, how can we really bridge that gap, right? And I don't know, that's what get, what keeps me up at night is thinking of ways to create opportunity. I'm a huge, huge um, community leader. I love to enable and empower girls of our next generation to be our future leaders. So working with organizations that are part of that portfolio is something that you know excites me every day. What really prompted this strong desire and passion for you to want to solve this problem? It's such a big problem. And so many people have tried to solve it and put so much time and resource and money behind trying to solve this opportunity gap. So what still keeps you motivated to believe that there actually is something that can be done? Because I am a product of all of this, right? Um, Growing up, we came from a middle-class family. I benefited from organizations that gave opportunity to girls that looked like me. 
And it's come back full cycle with my role now at AST, where we're looking at different organizations that provide this type of opportunity and, you know, seeing the talent that could be brought in when given the chance to. So that's what keeps me up at night because I know it can work. So one of the things we always try to do here on the Employee Cycle Podcast is try to make this as actionable as possible in these interviews. So for anyone who is feeling just as passionate, just as motivated and ambitious to help solve this opportunity gap, what would you say is the first thing that they should look at and start to think about as they begin this journey? I think part of it is understanding where you are right now as an organization and where you're trying to go. So for example, at AST, we do acknowledge the fact that we are trying to get to 40% female representation at all levels globally, right? Right now we're at about 33%. How can we identify different strategic initiatives to enable that? And if I go back and reflect what I'm doing in my current role in talent management, where my portfolio oversees, you know, um, the performance management, the succession planning, the workforce planning, how can we build pipelines with the right partnerships to close this gap, close this gap? And it's working with a lot of nonprofits that maybe have this pipeline of opportunity where we could provide either internships or we could provide um, training programs. And if we are able to enable these individuals coming from certain organizations to help infuse AST's or, um, goal of representation, why not, right? So those are a couple of things. It's probably a little bit more winded than you, you'd want to hear, but... No, that was great. And I appreciated you actually sharing a very specific number of 40% goal for having women across the organization, how did you come up with that 40% number you know, as a data company and as an HR analytics dashboard platform? We get HR leaders always talking about setting goals and benchmarks against certain things. Some people actually have third-party data to benchmark against. Others just pull a number out of a hat because they think that's the best guess. How did you come up with that 40%? Part of it was looking at what our year-over-year growth was in terms of our increase of representation was and giving ourselves that room to say, hey, if we were to give ourselves a bit more grace and space and investment, what's stretch goal that we can get to at a certain point? And 40% was that number. That's really interesting. So as a leader who's listening to this is thinking, okay, Justine, I get that. I need to start off where, where are the gaps? What does our organization look like? Where do I go from there? Because there's so many different areas of opportunity gaps. And I also want to ask you, when we say opportunity gaps, are we really talking about the lack of DEI as well? Or these are two totally different things? I think they correlate with one another, right? I mean, the diversity component within corporate America or even the opportunity gaps. So I'm based in the greater... Philadelphia region where a quarter of our population, we're the poorest big city in all America with a quarter of our organization or a quarter of our populace live in deep poverty. You know, that also correlates to the illiteracy gap that we have here in Philadelphia as well. And if we can 
enable individuals out of poverty. That's enabling them to live strong, independent lives. And that's through careers and, you know, decent paying jobs and things of that nature. And if you know, we all know that diversity can bring in so much productivity and in organization, innovation in, in an organization. So why not try to marry the two and serve dual purposes in both areas? So as also being another Philadelphia resident, born and raised, so very familiar with the unfortunate circumstance of Philly being the largest poor city. When it comes to looking at hiring individuals from diverse backgrounds to really bridge that opportunity gap, but as you mentioned, knowing that there might be a lot of skills gaps and other gaps, not allowing certain individuals or cohort of people to actually be able to do the job, that almost sounds like there needs to be not only a bridge of HR with recruiters to try to figure out how to bridge this gap, but also a bridge with HR and external organizations that are trying to provide these types of skill sets to different people so that you actually will have a broader cohort of individuals that you can source from. Is that correct? You got it. Is there anything that you or your organization is currently doing today or have plans to do where you've seen, well, we need individuals that can do X. Here are some organizations that are trying to help train or find individuals from diverse groups that can do X. We need to work closely with them. And if so, what does that look like? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we are partners. Well, a lot of what AST does, you know, we help um, implement Oracle, MuleSoft, as well as Salesforce. And right now, what we're also doing is growing our Salesforce contingency internally to AST. And part of what we've done is because we need to build the skill set in-house, we've actually partnered with an organization called Perscalis, where Perscalis, essentially, they train individuals in a certain area for you. And Perscalis, they train individuals from different diverse backgrounds coming from different socioeconomic uh, statuses as well. And what we're doing right now is we're putting 23 individuals through the Perscalis program to train them up into Salesforce with hopes of having those individuals be a part of our organization longer term, which is you know one example. Um, another thing that we are launching in January is we're, we acknowledge the fact that there has been a big gap, especially after the pandemic, impacting women's careers and taking a break for a, a myriad of reasons. And we are launching our um, returnship program called Relaunch, where we bring in individuals who have taken a career break and put them through a three-month training program to get trained up in our Oracle ERP and cloud um, program called Academy so they could start their career within STEM. Um, so those are a couple of things that we're doing. And we'll also be partnering next year with a number of other veterans initiatives too, to kind of bring in additional diverse um, populaces into our organization. This is awesome. And kudos to the work that you and your org are doing. As I heard you talking about training up different types of people from different backgrounds, it made me think how broken is the current recruiting process where it's what school did you come from or what is your pedigree or what is your resume? So 
What are your thoughts around that and how are you seeing that change and what parts of the current sourcing and hiring process do you believe should either be changed, if not removed altogether, so that we actually have a more fair and unbiased sourcing and hiring process for individuals that historically have not been able to get these opportunities? Yeah, part of it is moving from you know, the traditional years of experience to actually looking at more on the competency and the capability of the individuals is something that we try to promote um, within our organization. Uh, We know that years of experience doesn't always correlate to somebody who has the motivation to go the extra mile and can probably deliver even more so than someone who's been doing it for 20, 30 years, not going, you know, those kinds of things, as well as maybe even taking years of experience off, taking like blind resumes is also another really cool best practice where you take off the name of the individual completely and just base it on the skill set on of what's on paper. So there's that, un, you know, the bias is removed are a couple of things that I think would be helpful in terms of um, this particular area of conversation. Because what you just mentioned is typically not the way that it works. And we clearly know that there's a lot of room for improvement in how the process currently works today. How do you see that type of change and mindset shift happening at scale, either within an organization or across multiple organizations? Do you see that as a top down from the CEO saying, I see that we are not hiring the most fair, unbiased way and we need to bridge this gap? And so... I need all of the hiring managers and everyone in leadership and just the overall culture of the organization to buy into this. Is this more HR coming to the table saying, as a business need, we're not hiring as many people as we need to. We're not hitting our headcount goals. Therefore, this is what we need to do. Should this come from hiring managers or leaders? Who do you think should be the right person as most of our audience are HR leaders? Who do you think is the right person that should be taking the charge on trying to make this cultural and operational shift within an organization? I mean, it always comes from top down, but I don't know if it's necessarily an individual accountability more so than a collective accountability. It's probably my thoughts behind this. We always need leadership support in order to make many initiatives in any organization really succeed. And part of that as HR leaders is bringing the right data, the right infrastructure, the right information to make the best decisions possible for our leadership team. Um, Some practices that we've even incorporated in our organization is we have have our people data dashboard. We can see what our diversity metrics are looking like, how our talent management, succession planning metrics of individuals correlate. And if we do see a trend of, hey, you know, our high potentials, we do see a correlation in the diverse background of these individuals, why not we continue to build our pipeline from that degree? And how can we set, you know, report cards or enable dashboards so leaders can see this visually on where they're tracking against their peers and how this is also correlating to their bottom line kind of um, success on a monthly basis or a regular basis and kind of give them the knowledge that they need to make these informed decisions to partner with HR to that degree. So hope that helps a little bit. Yeah, it does. It does. This is this is such a complex issue in so many organizations that I'm sure it can be super overwhelming for 
HR leaders or anyone to really start tackling this. So I'd be curious to know, are there any potential challenges or potholes that you can talk about that you experienced during the journey of trying to make this work that you can share with our audience so that hopefully they can avoid making any of those mistakes as they go down the path of trying to bridge the opportunity gap? I think biting off more than you can chew is probably one element. There's so many different ideas, right? There's so many different possibilities that you could probably tackle on and just identifying which initiative may enable you to have more partners to buy in and support what you're trying to accomplish is probably something that you would probably lead to more success in starting off small and then growing, either learning or growing from there. It's probably a piece of advice that I could share with the organization or everyone on this call or podcast. And then the last question that I have with HR, so much of the time, it's this deciphering of whether this is something we should just do because it's the right thing to do versus ROI versus the business case. So as HR leaders who are always fighting for budget and trying to get resources to get stuff done, what would you advise them to do in the process of getting buy-in, getting budget, if it even requires budget, and getting time for the team to be able to pull this together and really make it work. And part of it goes back to seeing how it could, you know, how it could benefit all parties, right? Is it is there a way? So, for example, in our organization, you know, we're trying to enable the opportunity gap. How can we partner with certain organizations that are even already partnering with our clients as well, where it helps our clients, it helps AST, it helps our community, and thinking it thinking about it from that degree and what level of effort will it take from not only our partners, but our internal support, our internal employee base, and then marrying those elements together will probably be the best attribute moving forward with this. Justine, thank you so much for being on our podcast and really providing some actionable steps to bridging the opportunity gap at organizations, which is such an important path for so many companies to take to provide and create a more diverse, inclusive, and equitable workforce. So thank you, Justine. Woo! Oh, Justine! Thank you. <laughs> so where can people find you and AST online? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Justine, Justine's Lawyer, and then AST LLC is where you can find us. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include all of that contact info in the show notes. So for all of you out there listening, if you enjoyed this episode as much as Justine and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating to show that you care and that we're providing great content. Also, if this is the very first time that you've listened to any of our interviews, but now you're hungry for more podcast episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you super awesome people and HR leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.